0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to an all new, brand new episode of Unknown Serial Killers. Thank you guys for coming back this week to join me. I know I was supposed to be back last week, but you know, people get busy. So we're back this week. Uh, We are in season six and these serial killers here is going to have you guys on the edge of your seats. So please continue to tune in because you don't want to miss any of these. Before we get into it, um, viewer's discretion is advised because we are talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. Of course, murder and violence because this is why we are here. If you missed any of the episodes in any of the seasons, please go back and listen to them now because you don't want to miss any of them. Let's get into it. And This week, we are going to be talking about Gary Heidnick, Gary Michael Heidnick was born on November 22nd, 1943 in East Lake, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland to Michael and Ellen Heidnick. He had a younger brother, Terry. After his parents divorced in 1946, the Heidnick children were raised by their mother for four years before being placed in the care of their father and his new wife. Heidnik would later claim he was emotionally abused by his father. He suffered a long-time problem of bedwetting and said his father would humiliate him by forcing him to hang his stained sheets from his bedroom window in full view of their neighbors. After his son's arrest, Heidnik's father denied the abuse allegations, of course. At school, Heidnik did not interact with his fellow students and refused to make eye contact. When a well-meaning new female student asked, did, did you get the homework done, Gary? He yelled at her and told her she was not worthy enough to talk to him. Heidnick was also teased about his oddly shaped head, which he and Terry claimed was the result of a young Heidnik falling out of a tree. Nonetheless, Heidnick performed well academically and tested with an IQ of 148. With the encouragement of his father, 14 year old Heidnick enrolled in the Statun Military Academy in Statun, Virginia for two years, leaving before graduation. After another period in public high school, he dropped out and joined the United States Army when he was 17. Heinick served in the Army for 13 months. During basic training, his drill sergeant graded him as excellent. He applied for several specialist positions, including the military police, but was rejected. He was sent to San Antonio, Texas to train as a medic and did well through medical training. However, he did not stay in San Antonio very long and was transferred to the 46th Army Surgical Hospital in West Germany. Within weeks of his new position in Germany, he earned his GAD. In August 1962, Heidnick began complaining of severe headaches, dizziness, blurred vision, and nausea. Wow. A hospital neurologist diagnosed Heidnick with gastrointestinal and noted that he also displayed the symptoms of mental illness for which he was prescribed some medication. In October 1962, Heidnick was transferred to a military hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder and consecutively honorably discharged from military service. Wow. Shortly after his discharge, Hynek became a licensed practical nurse and enrolled at the University of Pennsylvania, only to drop out after a single semester. He worked at a Veterans Administration Hospital in Coatesville, but was fired for poor attendance and rude behavior towards patients. From August 1962 until his arrest in March 1987, Hynek spent time in and out of psychiatric hospitals and had attempted suicide at least 13 times In 1970, his mother, who had been diagnosed with bone cancer, was suffering the effects of alcoholism, committed suicide by drinking mercury chloride, and that is like, um, like bleach. Yeah, that's like bleach. His brother, Terry, also spent time in mental institutions and attempted suicide multiple times. Wow! So the whole family were just trying to kill themselves. In October 1971, Heidnick incorporated a church called the United Church of the of, of the Ministers of God. Initially, was a mere five followers. In 1975, he opened an account under the church's name with Merrill Lynch. The initial deposit was fifteen hundred. Heidnick eventually amassed over five hundred thousand dollars. By 1986, the United Church of the Ministers of God was prosperous. Heidnik used a matrimonial service to meet his future wife, Betty Distel, with whom he corresponded by mail for two years before proposing to her. Distel arrived from the Philippines in September 1985 and married Heidnik in Maryland the following month on October 3rd. The marriage rapidly deteriorated as she caught him in bed with a trio of other women. Throughout the course of their brief marriage, Heidnik forced his wife to be an onlooker while he performed intercourse with other women. Disto also accused Heidnik of repeatedly raping and insulting her. With the help of the Filipino community in Philadelphia, she was able to leave Heidnik in January 1986. Unknown to until his ex-wife requested child support payments in 1987. He had impregnated Distel during their short marriage. On September 15, 1986, she gave birth to a son whom she named Jesse John Distel. Hynek also had a child with Gail Linkow, a son named Gary Jr. The child was placed in foster care soon after his birth. Hynek had a third child with another woman, Annette Davison, who was Illiterate and mentally disabled. Their daughter, Maxine Davidson, was born on March 16th, 1978 and immediately placed in foster care. Shortly after Maxine's birth, Hynek was arrested for kidnapping and, and the rape of Anjanette's sister, Alberta, who had been living in the Institute for the Mentally Disabled in Penn Township. Whew. In 1976, Heinick was charged with an aggravated assault and carrying an unlicensed pistol after shooting at the tenant of a house he offered for rent, grazing the man's face. In 1978, Heinick signed out Alberta, the sister of his then-girlfriend, Andrinette Davidson, from the Penn Township Mental Institution, on day leave and proceeded to imprison her in a locked storage room in his basement, after she was found and returned to the hospital, examined and revealed that she had been raped and sodomized, and that she had con- contracted gonorrhea. Heidnik was arrested, charged, and convicted of kidnapping, rape, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, involuntary, deviant sexual intercourse, and interfering with the custody of commitment person. The original sentence was overturned on appeal, and Heidnik spent three years of his Incarceration in a mental institution prior to being released in April 1983 under the supervision of a state sanctioned mental health program. After his wife, Betty Bisto, left him in 1986, Heidnick was arrested again and charged with assault, indecent assault, spousal rape, and involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. On November 25, 1986, Heidnick abducted a woman named Josephine Rivera. By January 1987, he had kidnapped another four women who he held captive in a pit in the basement of his house at 3520 North Marshall Street in North Philadelphia. The captives were raped, beaten, and tortured. One of the women, Sandra Lindsay, died of a combination of starvation, torture, and an untreated fever. Heidnik dismembered her body but had problems dealing with the arms and legs, so he put them in the freezer and labeled them dog food. He cooked her ribs in the oven, boiled her head in the pot on the stove. Police officers came to his house after his neighbors explained that a nauseating odor was emitting from his residence, but they left the premises after Heinick explained, quote, I'm cooking a roast. I fell asleep and it burnt, unquote. Several sources state that Heineck ground up the flesh at Lindsay, mixed it up with dog food and fed it to his other victims. His defense attorney, Chuck, said that upon examination of a cuisine art and other tools in his kitchen, they found no evidence of this. Peruto said that Heidnick made up the story to support the insanity defense. Peruto said that Heidnick started the rumor of cannibalism in public and that there were no evidence of anyone eating human flesh. They don't know that. They do not know that. Heidnick used electric shock as a form of torture. At one point, he forced three of his captives bounding chains into a pit. Heidnick ordered Rivera and other women to fill the hole with water and then forced Rivera to help him apply electric current from a strip extension cord to the woman's chains. Deborah Dudley was electrocuted to death and Heidnick disposed of her body and the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. On January 18, 1987, Heidnick abducted Jacqueline Askins, the youngest of the six victims, Atkins, was only 18 years old at the time of her abduction. On May 5, 2018, a special reporter titled "Gary Atkins: House of Horrors" 30 years later was aired and featured an interview in which Atkins recounted that nick raped, duct taped around the mouth of the victims, and stabbed them in their ears with a screwdriver. I can believe that. I really can. On March 23, 1987, nick and Rivera abducted Agnes Adams. The next day, Rivera convinced Heinick to let her go temporarily so she could visit her family. He drove her to a gas station and said that he would wait for her there. She walked to her boyfriend's house. She initially wanted to confront Heidnik, but then decided to call the police instead. The responding officers, noting chaffing from chains on her leg, went to the gas station and detained Heidnik. His purported best friend, Sher- Cyril Tony Brown was also arrested. Brown was released on fifty thousand dollar bail and an agreement that he would admit that he had witnessed Heinick's dismemberment of her body. Shortly after his arrest in April nineteen eighty seven, Heinick attempted to hang himself in his jail cell. Apparently, that didn't work. At Heinick's arraignment, he claimed that the women were already in the house when he moved in. At trial, Heinick was. Defended by A. Charles Peruto Jr. Who attempted to prove that Hyden was illegally, legally insane. Hyden's insanity claim was successfully rebutted by the prosecution led by Charles F. Gallagher III. The fact that he successfully amazed appro- approximately $550,000 through his brokerage account. Was used to prove that he was an astute investor and therefore not insane. Yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> Testimony, which was given by his Merrill Lynch financial advisor Robert Kirkpatrick, was also used to prove Heidegger's mental competence. Kirkpatrick called Heidnick and asked to investor who knew exactly what he was doing. On July 1st, 1988, Heidegger was convicted of two counts of first degree murder, six counts of kidnapping, five counts of rape four counts of aggravated assault and two counts of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. He was sentenced to death and incarcerated at the State Correctional Institution of Pittsburgh. In January 1989, he attempted suicide with an overdose of prescribed medication. Was it Thorazine? Thorazine? In 1997... Heidnik's daughter, Maxine Davison White, and his ex-wife, Betty Heidnik, filed a suit in federal court in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, in which they requested a stay of execution on the basis that Heidnik was not competent enough to be executed. After two years of legal procedures in various courts, on July 3rd, 1999, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania issued its final ruling, clearing the way for Heidnik's execution next last meal was two slices of cheese pizza and black coffee. He was executed by lethal injection on July 6, 1999, at the State Correctional Institution, Rockview and in Belfont, Pennsylvania, and his body was cremated. As of 2022, he was the last person to have been executed by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He he remains the third of only three people who have been executed in Pennsylvania, since the resumption of the death penalty. And that my friends is the story of Gary M. Hardnick. So how do we feel about this guy? We know that he definitely did deserve to die. Um, I mean, what else can we say about him? He's just a monster. He is clearly such a monster. And this is why we stay clear of people like him. And this is why we need to stay clear of people who give us bad vibes. We don't need that kind of energy in our lives. And we'll end up here. So we're back. Here is the list of victims. Josephine Rivera, age 25, kidnapped on November 25th, 1986. I think she's the one that people think is... The accomplice. People think that she's helping him kill these girls and kidnap these women. Sandra Lindsay, age 24, kidnapped on December 23rd, 1986. Murdered on February 7th, 1987. Lisa Thomas, age 19, kidnapped on December 23rd, 1986. Deborah Dunley, age 23, kidnapped on January 2nd. 1987, murdered on March 19th, 1987. Jacqueline Askins, age 18, kidnapped on January 18th, 1987. Agnes Adams, age 24, kidnapped on March 22nd, March 23rd, 1987. So we have a interview. This was back in like 2018. It is called... Killed at the hands of... It is called the House of Horrors 30 Years Later. One of the anchormen had interviewed Jackie or Jacqueline Afkins and we're going to hear her side of the story.
1: Hi Nick, before he was finally captured, one of the survivors takes us back into that musty cellar and the brutal memories that still haunt her.
2: He stripped me of all my clothes, my wig and everything, and I'm screaming.
1: It's a moment seared in Jackie Aston's memory. Naked and cuffed, Gary Heidnik dragged her into his personal torture chamber, the basement in his home on the 3500 block of Marshall Street. Down below were four other prisoners.
2: Yeah, they was all tied up, chained up. Two was on the bed, one was by the pool table, and one was standing up by the window.
1: Heidnik's sick perversions are what partly inspired the character Buffalo Bill in the Academy Award-winning movie The Silence of the Lamb. Ah! Heidnik had a pit he'd filled with water, and electric shocked the women. But the torture didn't end there. There were daily rapes and beatings.
2: We read tape around our mouth and drove a screwdriver right in our ears. And he wanted to have
1: a perfect race, according to him, of children from these women. Chuck Perudo was an up-and-coming defense attorney in the late 80s and represented Heidnik after he was captured after Josefina Rivera escaped and flagged down a police officer. Two cops pounded on the door. He opened
2: the door and came out and wouldn't let them in and they could smell the stench. They didn't want them going anywhere. They busted them right there and there.
1: That stench was one of two victims who died in the House of Horrors, Sandra Lindsay and Deborah Dudley. Dudley was electrocuted and buried in the Pine Barrens. Lindsay died from a combination of starvation and torture. Heidnik boiled parts of her body and fed the remains mixed with dog food to the surviving women. During the investigation, police found 27 pounds of body parts inside heidnick's freezer.
2: He took me upstairs to the bathroom and he said we all got to play a part in this and I said play a part in what and he had me cut her limb like her arm. You had to say to yourself this guy is really whacked. Before becoming longtime
1: Philadelphia District Attorney Lynn Abraham was a judge and the Heidnick case was hers. Perudo and Heidnick tried to claim insanity during the trial.
2: I very quickly, uh, in my own mind, had an idea that this guy was faking it to, uh, to affect mental illness.
1: All the survivors have struggled in their lives since being freed, Askins too. But she says she doesn't live in the past, she lives with her past.
2: My whole thing to him was, why me? But, you know, I guess that's a question he never wanted to answer. Any, but I made sure he seen my face before he died. I wanted my face to be the last thing he seen.
1: Gary Heidnik was put to death in 1999.
0: He's- and that was Jackie Askins, one of the survivors. She's such a brave woman. Well, thank you guys for joining me this week. I hope you guys continue to join me. Come back again next week as we uncover another unknown serial killer. And remember, friends, please be nice to people because you never know who they killed. See you guys next week.